Welcome, everyone. I'm coming to you with a message today that really is going to be in three parts. It'll be three weeks. And it's really talking about the hope crisis we're facing in, in our nation today and, and really around the world. Uh, and really what I'm kind of titling it is this, is the road of hope. Because when we get in these situations, just like Israel was during that time, and, and Jerusalem was in a state of chaos, they hadn't heard God's voice in 400, over 400 years, we had the Roman tyranny going on, you know, just really oppressing the people. And then, you know, you, you know, as a child of God, you're like, where are you, Lord? You're supposed to be sending our Messiah. And, and as we see that, we think about the kind of situation that they must have been in, how hopeless that had to be. So I want to talk to you about three different people's journey on the road of hope. If we looked at it from Bethlehem, where Christ was born, all the way to Calvary, and, and we'll, we'll look first at his dad, Joseph. What, how did he handle the road of hope? And then we get into the shepherds the second week, and we'll see how they handled the road of hope. And then finally, we'll wrap up December 20th that week with, with our total Christmas message, which will be about uh, Herod and, and how he missed the road of hope. So I want to encourage you to make sure you let folks know, share this. It's going to be encouraging. It's, it'll be challenging, but encouraging. And if we're not growing, we're dying. And then during this time, we, we got to move out of isolation. We got to move out of a place of hopelessness or, or, or despair or fear. And, uh, and as, we, as we do that, we begin to look at hope and what hope is really all about. First of all, hope is available to all of us. Jesus came for everyone. God gave his only begotten son, not just for, you know, a select few. God gave his only begotten son for all, all of us. And every one of us have an opportunity to become his children. Isn't it wild that God loved us just as we are, not as we should be, and he still does it today? And many times as Christians, when we get into that dark place, that hopeless place, we kind of look at God and it's like, man, I don't hear you, or you're not... You didn't answer my prayer. You didn't, you're not coming through for me. I feel like I'm fighting everything all on my own. And how am I going to get through this time? And, and it's easy to feel that despair. It's easy to become isolated and a little indignant or whatever. And maybe even feel like the children of Israel did, I'm sure, at that time, that they had been betrayed by God, like he hadn't, they hadn't heard from him in 400 years and under this Roman rule. So as we look at it, I want you to realize hope is available just like it was to them at that time. And hope is available, and not only is it available to all of us, but it's something that we have to choose to receive. Because God is not a God that's rude or crude. He, he, hope comes to those that accept it, that choose it. So let me read a, a passage of Scripture to you concerning the road of hope and, and this journey with Jesus, the Son of God, coming into the earth and beginning in Bethlehem. And just this is before it actually began, uh, before Christ was born, and then we'll go into that. And I'll be reading from uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. And I'm going to come to you from a different translation. It's called the Passage Translation. And, man, it's just more to our language today. And it really brings the Greek and the Hebrew into the kind of lang in the language that we are norm normally used to hearing. So let's begin in verse 18. It says, this was how Jesus, God's anointed one, was born. Isn't that cool? His mother Mary had promised Joseph to be his wife. But while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's a whole other story when you think about Mary's faith. But we're looking at it today from Joseph's faith. Verse 19, her fiancé, Joseph, was, was a righteous man, full of integrity, and did, did not want to disgrace her. 
But when he learned of her pregnancy, he secretly planned to break the engagement. And we'll get into that in a moment. Verse 20. While he was still debating with himself about what to do, he fell asleep and had a supernatural dream. An angel from the Lord appeared to him in the clear light and said, Joseph, descendant of David, don't hesitate. Wow, really, God? Yeah, don't hesitate to take Mary into your home as your wife. Because the Holy Spirit has conceived a child in her womb. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Savior. For he is destined to give the life, to give his life to save his people from their sins. Verse 22. This happened so that the Lord spoke through his prophet would come true. What he'd spoken through his prophet would come true. Verse 23. Listen, a virgin will be pregnant. She will give birth to a son, and he will be known as Emmanuel, which means in the Hebrew, God became one of us. I mean, think about this as we just look at Joseph's road in Bethlehem. Here he is in Bethlehem. I mean, before as he gets to Bethlehem. But think about this. Here he is even before he gets there. His whole life is turned upside down. I mean, it's like, wow, God interrupted him. God moved in. And here he is. He's in this situation like, wow, God. I mean, things were going good, right? Maybe like here recently for you, six months ago, eight months ago, things were going good at work, or you launched a new business, or you got a promotion, or man, you got accepted to that university, or wow, you know, maybe you were engaged, and you could even have a wedding during this time. What what happened? You were, All these things were going good and looking great, and then COVID hits, right? I mean, think about it. COVID hits, and, and that's a small thing compared to what happened to Joseph. I mean, his whole world is turned upside down. And as we look at it, you know, you know, he's thinking, well, you know, you saw in the scripture, well, you know, I want to protect Mary myself. But that's kind of hidden truth there, too. He was thinking of his own skin as well. How's this going to look to my family? How's this going to look to me? And, and, and at that time, if, he had, if she had been pregnant illegitimately, she could have even been stoned at his request. So he was concerned about her. He wanted to do what was right for her, but he was really wrestling with it. And I can imagine right before he laid down to go to sleep, all the things going on in his mind. How am I going to help her? How am I going to protect her? But how am I going to protect my own skin? How am I going to have a future and a wife? I can't marry her if she has a child. What, what am I going to do? And then the Bible says an angel showed up. The angel of light showed up. And what he did, he began to tell him about what had happened. I can imagine when he woke up that he probably felt totally different, didn't he? It says in verse 19, uh, her fiance Joseph was a righteous man, full of integrity, and he didn't want to disgrace her. But when he learned of her pregnancy, he secretly planned to break the engagement. So really, Joseph almost missed the road of hope. Think about that. The very father, natural father on the earth of God, almost missed the road of hope himself. And, and when we think about it, you know, uh, you know, he, he was kind of looking at God and the situation he was dealing with, but he thought, man, this I'm just doing the right thing for her, the right thing for me. But see, the situation like that is many times, what do we do? When things are not going our way, we come into a place of isolation and, and we lose hope and then we become hopeless. What do we do? We go to plan B, right? When things are not working out the way we think it is, we go to our plan B. You know what? God's not in our plan B. I mean, you could be living a good life in plan B. You could be doing okay. But you can only have God's best in plan A. And that's my desire to see everyone live in their plan A, man. Live in what God, what's best for you. You know, Scripture tells us in Romans 12, too, be not conformed to the pattern of this world, right? But be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind through the word of God to prove what is God's good, acceptable, and perfect will. He doesn't have two different, he doesn't have a plan A will and a plan B will and a plan C. No, he has a plan A will. If you're in plan B, you can live an okay life, maybe a good life, but it's not going to be the best life that you could live. And when you hit the hopeless situation, then you're, you're dealing with it on your own. And as we look at this, I think about uh, a, a time in my own life Whenever, well, I think about this. Well, Parker, just last week, my son, who's a youth pastor here at Bethel uh, for the Redefined, and they had a young man give his life to Christ. And as he gave his life to Christ, the biggest thing that he dealt with as he shared with Parker following the service was, you know, I really wanted to come sooner, but I, I was really wrestling with what will people think about me? What will my friends think about me? Isn't that kind of the way it is in life? We, we, we want to serve God. We want to be a part of God's plan for our life. We want to be on that road of hope constantly and continually, living that plan A life for, our, for ourselves. But, but the situation we find ourselves in so many times is what will people think? What will my family? What will my friends? What will my coworkers think? What will my classmates, my, my, my athletics team, my, what will they think or my coach? And, and it's so critical that we come to the place to realize this is not about other people in the sense of what they think. This is between you and the Father because he wants you to live a life of joy, peace, hope, love, and fulfillment. So we look at that. So the first reason could be uh, more, Joseph was more concerned about what people would think about him. That was his real discouragement. But then he had that dream. That's awesome. But I think the second thing that he felt is something we could all feel. Maybe he felt betrayed by God. I mean, you think about that. Maybe he felt betrayed. And, 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 and as we see in verse 19, it says, Joseph was a righteous man full of integrity. Man, he's doing all the right things. He's saying all the right stuff. And he, he's not faking it, man. He really means it. He really believes it. I mean, have you been in that situation giving your all at a job and they say it's not enough? I mean, you've been in that situation, man, with your spouse and you feel you're trying every way you can to please them and to do what's, what's best, but it seems like you're not hitting the mark. I mean, maybe, you know, you thought, man, you had this big idea and dream of what it'd be like to get married and to have children, and then they start talking back to you, and you're like, whose kids are they, or can I just give them to the neighbor? I mean, uh, yeah, kids, that's right. That's what we feel sometimes as partner, but we, as pastors, uh, uh, as, as fathers, but we, we do come back to the truth and, and love you just as you are. But it, as we look at that and think about it, guys, He's doing everything he's supposed to do. And I'm actually saying, why, God? Why me? Why this situation? This is all pre, pre-dream, right? Pre, before the supernatural. And um, as we look at this, I think about it, you know, I dealt with this too about 12 years ago. I found myself in a time of depression for a few years. I didn't know what it was. And, and, uh, but as I discovered it, one of the ways I discovered it, and then I got some help and and God greatly transformed my life. And, but here's the key. I was at my in-law's farm in Ohio, and they were away, and I was just spending time alone with God. And all of a sudden, it came up in my heart that I, I was really angry at God. I thought I was angry at people that had betrayed me. Maybe I was angry, and I was angry because my mother passed away with cancer, and I've laid hands on people and prayed for people, and they've been healed of cancer. But she didn't make it. And, and I had a lot of anger in me. And you know what anger leads to? It, it always stems from you feeling like you've been betrayed or left behind. And it comes out of a place that leads you to hopelessness. And that's what I felt. I just felt like I'd been betrayed by God. And I, I didn't have the courage to speak it out, right? I didn't have the understanding. But, but you see, we all live in a good place when we're in the right place with God. 
But here's the other thing, guys. We also have a dark place to go to. And, and for me, if I really get in a bad place, I go to a dark place. It's anger. You know, I'm just grumpy. I mean, and I can get more than grumpy, too. I can just get, get mean, you know. And then, and then all of a sudden, you know, I come to a place now I've learned that process and realized I've moved into hopelessness. I've moved into a place that's dark. I've moved into a place I'm present with people, but I'm really isolated or separate from them. And you may feel that way. I mean, we're seeing it at such a high rate. It's heartbreaking. The funerals that I've done since COVID with overdoses and suicide among our young people. It's, it's heartbreaking. And then other deaths has taken place and, and it's heart wrenching. And, in one of the letters of one of the young men who I've known since he's been about two or three, about four years old, five years old, it, it was really a letter all about hopelessness. And I'm like, you have such a, you're so brilliant, had such a great life in front of you, but if the enemy can get you to believe that you don't have a chance and that you can't live up to people's expectations and, and it's hopeless for you, that's, you think it's dangerous driving down the road 110 miles an hour. Man, it's way more dangerous. That's dangerous, but it's way more dangerous to live a hopeless life. Because then you go to your dark place. You go to the, the, the most, the addiction or the weakness that you have. And I want to encourage every one of you today, especially you guys at home today. I just, just, man, this is the time to dig in. This is the time to press in, not to run away from God. This is time to press in and build a relationship with him. This is the time, I want to challenge you too, your friends and coworkers and others and families, man, just just share this message with them today before you even get offline. Just share this message. They need to hear this message just like you need it and just like I need it as well. So as we see that we're going through this time uh, that, that before God intervened, you know, it was dark and it was hopeless. Before, I'm sorry, before God intervened, it was good, right? And then God intervenes, and now it looks like it could become very dark and hopeless. You see, anytime God intervenes into something that's going on good in our lives, that means he's got more for you. But I've had God intervene and something not work out that I'd worked on for weeks or even months or years, and I thought it was going to be, it was okay, but it never reached what I thought it'd be. And then God intervenes and takes his hand off and it just kind of crumbles and I got to look this other direction and I go into this other season and then I realize wow if that hadn't happened I wouldn't be this person if that hadn't happened I wouldn't have these relationships or, or this blessing and that's the way it was when my mom passed it was so heartbreaking to me and it was a struggle for several years as I know many of you when you lose a loved one a friend and 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 she was my everything other than Stephanie she was my closest friend in the world and and what did that mean that meant that my security blanket was pulled. And you know what? Even at, a, at that time, I think I was a 40, 46-year-old man, I had to grow up. <laughs> I thought I was grown. I'm a pastor in a church preaching the gospel for 20 years. I thought I'd grown up, ran multiple businesses. But, you know, when hopelessness hits, you go back, you revert all the way back to that original pain. And I reverted all the way back to where I felt abandoned when I was a child because my father had passed away when I was three months old. And mom filled that void. And when I came to Christ, she was the leader in winning me to the Lord. She is my prayer warrior. She is my confidant. And when she was gone, I just felt like grace had left the earth. And with all the beautiful wife and kids and house and ministry and opportunities and notoriety I had, I felt weak, impotent, hopeless, dark, and alone. You see, you can be at the pinnacle of your life in one area, but in the ditch in the other area. And you got to be careful because whenever we get into those places and we're living like that, we're open to the worst things, the ugly things that can happen to us and cause pain to those we love even beyond 
ourselves. But when God intervenes, you know, and, and, and when God intervened and my mom went to heaven, he didn't take her, but she died of cancer. And, and, and when she went to heaven, guess what? I'm, I'm a better man because of it. The financial stress that we went through as, as a church whenever the economy crashed in 07, I'm a better man for it. Some of the trials and pressures I've had to deal with in my own life, depression, different things, I'm a better man for it. I'm more equipped. I have a better voice. I can speak to you differently today than I would have 14 years ago because I might have been a little more arrogant. You just need faith. You just need to pray more. You just need to fast more. No, you just need to receive wherever you're at. I mean, man, I was backslidden and on my way to hell and I was at a housing development party, man, uh, you know, and, and all these units back in eastern Kentucky, and I had a backslidden church of Christ with a bottle of liquor witness to me and got through to me more about that I was lost and going to hell if I didn't change my ways than all my Christian friends and family trying to witness to me. Man, I looked at him and said, I don't want to be that when I'm his age. And the next evening, I gave my life to the Lord. See, out of his darkness and hopelessness, he brought life to me. But guess what? Years later, I talked to him again, and he came back, giving his life to Christ, and started a new family and a new life. See, whenever we go through these things, man, it makes us vulnerable, but it also makes us a light. Because whenever you have went through a crisis, that becomes your ministry. And I want to encourage all of you out there that's come through hopelessness like I've talked about, or maybe you're feeling that doubt or that pain, I want to encourage you today that, Reach out to somebody else. That's why you could share this message today. That's why you could text someone and say, join us or send the link. Man, they need what we're talking about today because without hope, we don't have anything. You can have a full bank account, but without hope, you're bankrupt. You can have a beautiful spouse and a beautiful, you know, partner in life, but you really don't have a marriage if it's hopeless. You see, we got to come to a place, guys, where we understand the root of what we're dealing with and what the enemy wants to do. You see, now I have more purpose in my life. And that's what happens when we move from hopelessness and allow ourselves to receive from God. We start moving out of plan B into plan A. I noticed this too. Whenever, whenever I went through this time of hopelessness and came out of it, I had more love. And that's where we changed the whole mission statement of our church, the four B's. Bethel is a place what? Where you're loved just as you are. Where you where you are loved, where you belong. You are loved just as you are, not as you think you should be or anyone else thinks you should be. It's a place where uh, you, you, you become who God designed you to be. It's a place where, you know, uh, we build the kingdom of God. We become difference makers for him. We belong. We believe in Jesus and his word. And, and, and all of that came from this dark time in my life. And, and I remember when I first preached a series called no perfect people allowed. We actually had people quit our church and never come back because they couldn't accept the fact that I would get up there and preach something that they felt negative. And I had other people grab me in the four-year crime that had given their life. I think that year we had over 500 salvations, the greatest number of salvations we'd ever had in our church in one single year uh, because of me coming out of my brokenness. But, you know, a lot of people can't handle our junk. A lot of people can't handle reality. They want a, a pastor that's a myth or a Christian friend that's a myth, a co-laborer that's a myth, a spouse that's a myth, and we just keep it clean and tidy. You know what that does? It opens you up for darkness. That opens you up for brokenness. That brokenness, that opens you up for destruction, man. Satan comes in the little, the, he just needs a little crack, crack to get some light in there to get in our life and to do it. So I've learned to live with more purpose now and a different purpose. I've learned to love more and to love myself and to love others more. 
Here's a scripture that really turned my life around. 1 John 4, verses 10 and 19, two different verses. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That, that verse right there changed everything for me because I'd been preaching this gospel for over 20 years, guys, full-time paid ministry. At that time, I'd probably been preaching at 23 or 24, but in a full-time ministry capacity, 20 years. And, and you know what I was doing? I was reverting back to the way I'd always done when I wanted to win someone's favor. I wanted to work hard. I wanted to, I wanted to get their vision. I wanted to do my best for them. And I felt if I, sit, if I, if I can keep from sinning so much and do better with that, and if, if I can win more people to Christ and build facilities for Christ, and, and I can, you know, help get people get healed and set free and discipled, the more I would do, the more I'd be, and I had it all wrong. I was trying to earn a love that I already had. I was I was concerned I didn't have enough in my checking account, and it was a billion dollars or more in there. Why? In a, in a, in, in, as we compare that to the weight of grace and the weight of hope and the weight of love. That's what you realize. You have nothing to prove, man. I still get in the pulpit sometimes as I'm walking up, and I've done this now over, oh gosh, over 35 years I've done this, and I still have to say sometimes, Dalton, you have nothing to prove. I get cold chills because that's the truth. That's how I live. Because I can't make it on my own. I, I can't make it. I tried and I couldn't do it before I was saved. And I tried after I was saved and administered the gospel for 20 years and I still couldn't do it. So, you know, after two hard licks like that, I kind of figured it out. My hope is not in me, but it's in Christ, the hope of glory. And the second part of that scripture is we love because he first loved us. Think about it. When that took all the pressure off me, I was trying to get God to love me, earn his love by doing good, being good, and all this, and knowing more. But really, when I got the understanding that, no, wait a minute, he first loved me. Isn't that interesting? Because it says in that verse I read earlier, this is love, not that we love God. So his love is not the fact I love him. His love is the fact I receive his love. Once I receive his love, I love better, I love more. Once I receive his love, I'm a better dad, a better husband, a better pastor, a better friend, a better co-worker. Once I receive his love. But if I'm trying to earn his love, I'm miserable to be around. I don't even like to be around myself when I try to earn his love. And that's a place of hopeless, hopelessness. I want to wrap up with this as we continue to talk about hope for just a moment. Most of all, when we talk about hope, it wasn't Joseph's plan A until God intervened. And even though it seemed like a difficult time when he intervened, it ended up being the best time for Joseph. You know, I, I could see where he felt the, you know, the unrest and the betrayal. But let's, let's look at the rest of the story of, of Joseph with God. It says in verse, Luke 2, verse 4, it says, So Joseph went, went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee, to Judah, Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. Verse 5, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for a baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available to them. Verse 8, and there the shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Verse 10, 
But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause you great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. You see, that's what hope is. The hope is Emmanuel, the one called with us, the one in us. The hope is, and the season of hope, guys, is not a, not a time of fear. It's a time of joy. It's a time of peace. So whatever you're facing today, change your season. That's what you need, a season change. And, and the season change is, is very simple. It's not that hard. It, it's hard, but it's easy. You know, you would think as we wrap up today, you know, as a minister, I look at it and go, man, you only have to say a few things and believe it with your heart. But I knew that before I was saved. I thought, I got to get myself ready. I got to clean myself up, and that never worked. I thought, I got to be better, and that never worked. Finally, I just come to a place I'm hopeless. I, I'm not going to live much longer if I don't change my ways. And I've tried to quit the party, and I've tried to quit the sin. I've tried to, and I still sin like you. We make mistakes, and sometimes I don't even make a mistake. I sin, and then I have to repent. I'm like you. I'm human. But my heart is that it's not about me. It's about Christ and those that I influence. And that helps me do better and be better than I could ever be if I was just trying to make myself perfect or reach perfection. And Jesus gave us the most important commandments, right, when they were pressuring for it. He said, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbors yourself. You do these two things, you'll make it to heaven. Think about that, man. Is your neighbor black? Is your neighbor white? Is your neighbor a felon that just got out of prison? Is your neighbor a police officer or a police chief? Is your neighbor a Christian or a Muslim? Is your a neighbor uh, a Baptist or a Pentecostal? Young, old? I don't know. All I know is if you can't love them like you love yourself, you're not really loving God. See, we, when, but when, and you say, how can I do that? You can't until you come to him and receive his love. You see, that's what salvation is. For God so loved the world, us, that he gave his son. That's his love. Whether you ever accept it or not, he already paid the price. It's very simple. Romans 10 tells us that to get saved, what do we do? We just got to believe that he rose from the dead and ask Jesus to come in and be the Savior, the Lord of our heart. That's it. Believe and pray and accept. Have faith in that. So if you want to move out of hopeless today, hopelessness today and make Christ your Savior, just pray this prayer with me. Lord, I give you all my junk, my sin. I repent. And I know I'm not perfect and I'll never be perfect. But I, today I receive your love. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe, God, you sent Jesus for me. And I accept Jesus today as the God of my heart, as my Lord and Savior. I receive him. And now I am a child of God in Jesus' name. Amen. That's it. That's it. It's, it's simple. Now, I want you if, you, if you, if you do that, please just text yes in, in the comments. So we want to follow up. We won't bother you, but we'll text you and see if we can. We just want to disciple you and love you. You, don't, you may be in another state, another city. You may be, you know, associated with religion in your family somewhere else. We don't, we're not trying to get you to come to us. We just want to assist you and help you and build you. We want you to have the full hope and the full glory, the full love and the full faith that Christ has for you.
And for all those out there today, man, you're just feeling dark or hopeless. You're a Christian. You, you serve God. Let's just break that darkness off today. Let's turn that focus off where we've been, what we're fearing, what we're worried about, and let's turn it toward the answer, the one on the road of hope, right? Jesus. So pray this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I give you my fears. I give you my hurts. God, I, I give you my darkness. I give you my hopelessness. Forgive me for anything I've done, God, to, that's a root or caused this. Stir me up, Father. Stir up your gifts in me. God, just increase your spirit, your power, my knowledge of you, my understanding of you. Bring people in my life, Lord, that will help me grow and help me to become more like you. Thank you, Daddy, for loving me just as I am, I am and I'm grateful for that. Thank you for your courage, your strength, your energy today in Jesus' name. Amen. I just hope, man, that that blessed you today. And looking forward to next week, man. We're going to end in a fun one. We're going to look at the shepherds and what they faced on the road of hope. And I believe that there's people that need to hear this message that's in your life. I cannot stress it enough. Please don't, don't waste an opportunity. If it touched you or moved you, it'll move someone else. Text them, send them the link, call them, whatever you got to do. Invite them over next week and cook them breakfast and watch it together. But whatever you do, don't leave someone in a place of darkness and hopelessness. I hope to hear from you soon. I hope to see you soon. Until then, you be blessed. Whew. Finally got the flow. Hey. Kind of making it my own on the fly. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of tough when it's somebody else's. But yeah. Started out a little slow, but I think it got there. That probably wasn't too bad. Then negative 347. So, oh, uh, it's probably 30 minutes. Well, that's 30 minutes on the recording.